The only difference is, I guess it may have been slightly harder for him because he was the older brother. He didn't have an older brother to look up to. I did. Um, but in the same way, you know, with, with advice, with things in life, I've always had his back, especially since we've been adults. But as young kids, you know, I always had that older brother to look up to, which is why I actually spend a lot of my time. I was going to say waste a lot of my time, but I actually spend a lot of my time um, answering questions and talking to the young men who ask me for advice because, you know, I was very lucky to have Andrew there. And a lot of people in this world are just growing up with no men to look up to. All good. Tristan Tate in the building. Thank you very much for coming down, brother. Appreciate it. First things first, I want to ask you, why do you refer to yourself as the talisman? I've never asked you this before. You've never asked me this. And we've hung out multiple times. I think this is the first time we've ever done anything on the internet together, but we do know each other very well. Um, The talisman, it means, uh, I even have the talisman here sewn into my my shirt. Uh, Essentially, it means a a good luck charm. Everyone knows what it means. And I I developed that name. I, I was given the nickname by some African guys I used to hang out with in Luton when I was very young. The point of it, being that I'd saved so many people from so many bad situations, whether people have gotten into fights, whether people uh, needed a wingman and there was a particularly unattractive girl they needed me to distract, whether they saw a pretty girl across the bar and they wanted me to go and approach her for them. Uh, I was always a good person to be around. You know, they they used to call me the talisman because I was always, you know, I'd bring good luck and prosperity to the people around me. And I think that's exactly the same nothing has changed over the years. I think that the people who hang around me, you know, they, they grow, they learn, they, they do better in life. They make more money, certainly, a lot of the friendships that I make. So I like my nickname. And I, I used to use it when I was fighting as well. No one really understood that. But it's just something that's always been around since I was 14 or 15 years old. I feel like I'm getting left out because I don't really have a nickname. No? No. No one called... Come on, someone, you must have a nickname. <laughs> I, get, I have like nicknames for like different body parts. Like People call me that Chesty Mike or something, but... <laughs> I'll tell you what, Mike, before this podcast is over, I'm going to think of a nickname for you. And I'm going to, but it's going to be on the internet internet now. So it's going to be, it's going to be history. It's going to be cemented. So I have another hour and a half to think of a nickname for you. Okay, cool. I'll do it. So you've recently moved to Dubai a couple of months ago. How have you found it so far? I love Dubai. I wouldn't say I've moved to Dubai, but what I've done is I've, I've reorganized my life. So all winter, I'm going to be here in Dubai. So summer, I still need to be in Europe because I love Europe. Dubai gets a bit too hot anyway. Uh, it's actually kind of lucky. If Dubai was the perfect weather all year round, it would be very hard to leave. Yeah. But luckily, it does get too hot here. So I have to get back to Eastern Europe, which you know we all know I have fun in. But Dubai is a, a wonderful place. I have nothing negative to say about it. I like the fact that it's incredibly safe. I like that you can wear whatever watch you want, drive whatever car you want. You, know, you don't have to worry about locking your front door. Minus one or two crazy stalking fans who have managed to track me down, but we dealt with them pretty easily. <laughs> but yeah, D- Dubai is just, uh, it's the place to be right now mm-hmm. with all the cra- crap that's going on in the world from, from Europe to Russia to the United States. You know, anyone with money and a bit of sense is coming out here. Yeah. I would definitely stay here for the summer as well if I could, but the, the heat is pretty damn extreme. And I wanted to ask you about how you found the dating scene so far. The dating scene in Dubai. Mm. The dating scene in Dubai is a minefield. And I, luckily, feel that I'm experienced enough and smart enough to navigate it very, very well. But I can't imagine just being some normal guy coming out here, you know, to work a normal job or on vacation with your friends trying to date women here. I think it would be a nightmare. It it, it really... Well, I've, I've had three years of experience. And I think 
when you're here, the the men out here, it's so competitive. Yes. Like everybody here has got money. Most of the guys are pretty young. They're in shape. They have some sort of status and value that you need to kind of really stand out in some way to even qualify to get a chance with these girls. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I've met a few women since I've been here. Uh, one of them stands out in particular. I had to, I took her out on, I think, six dates before uh, anything happened. Really beautiful girl. But also, she was really nice. But women here, even if you do find a nice one, are very paranoid and very afraid. She kept saying to me, oh, well, you know, Dubai guys are all like this, or Dubai guys are all like this. And I was like, I got here three weeks ago. Can you stop referring to me as a Dubai guy? <laughs> so... Anyway, I don't talk to her anymore. But it was it was a fun it was a fun two weeks. It was a fun three weeks. Uh, but yeah, the dating scene here is very complicated. I I imagine you get quite a lot of DMs at this point in time. So how how would you when you're scrolling through them all? How would you decide? Okay, this is someone who I'm interested in. Typically, it depends what I'm searching for. But typically, the type of girl who's going to slide into your DMs isn't the type of girl who you're going to end up mm. marrying. I don't think and this might get me in some trouble, that women of good character will DM a guy out of nowhere. If a girl is, you know, they'll play little tricks, they'll follow you, like three of your pictures in a row, hope that you see them on the on the feed. But to actually physically inbox you, hey, are you in Dubai? I'd like to hang out. That's not the type of girl who, you know, you're going to end up in a long-term relationship with. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm. Because who says you're looking for a long-term relationship? You don't always, you know, different men out here are looking for different things. If you're in Dubai and you've got money, status, you've got a big Instagram, you're tagging yourself around the city and you're just here to have fun, the girls who slide into your DMs, good. Go go have your fun. But yeah, just don't put any babies in them. Yeah, I think one thing that I'm always concerned about is if someone is sliding in my DM, then how many of the guys' DMs has she slid in? Yeah. I mean, you slide into girls' DMs. How many per, yeah. how many per day? How many per week? <laughs> Look, obviously, I've never inboxed anyone. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, maybe once, maybe once. And I think one thing that I want to discuss is in Dubai, there's obviously there's a lot of beautiful women, lots yeah. of different nationalities. And then quite a lot of them are doing some shady stuff. Of course, yeah. And I think some guys are aware of it, but a lot of guys, particularly me when I first moved here, I I couldn't believe it, like how many of the girls were doing... The scale of it. These sort of... Side missions yeah. that were side bringing in like a lot yeah. of money. Yeah. And I think I nearly fell into a few traps sometimes because when I came here, I was not necessarily looking to be in a relationship, but I was trying to find a good girl that I could hang out with, spend time with. And a few times I had to find out the hard way that they were actually, you know, uh, an escort. Hustlers, yeah. Because a lot of them, they won't admit it straight away that that's what they do. Yeah, but you need to have an eye for it. And now that, and when you first moved here, you were not the man you are today. No. And I, three years ago, I was not the man that I am today. Uh, it's just a natural progression of being a man. But you learn, now that you have some more money and some more status, uh, you learn how to spot signs. For me, I, it's incredibly easy. But again, I have money. For mm-hmm. a lot of young guys, they'll see girls in Dubai at a dinner table with four of their girlfriends. And, you know, having fun in Dubai or whatever, they'll see them standing on some little boat. They'll see them at this beach, at this club, and they don't think anything of it. I follow the money. I, I add up the numbers. Girls who live luxurious lives in Dubai may well have a boyfriend or a husband. That's fine. Who's got money? But they shouldn't be messaging you if they are. Mm-hmm. If a girl's messaging you, hey, I'm single. And you're like, okay, cool, you're single. 
And then I'll say, you know, what are you doing tonight? And they'll say, oh, I'm out for dinner. And then I see on their Instagram, it's um, her at Gal. And I could see the table, the physical table. And there's a steak, a lobster thermidor, and 500 grams of caviar on the table with a bottle of Dom Perignon. I'm like, okay, this girl told me she's a makeup artist. That's $4,000. Yeah. That's how much that costs because I know because I spend the same money and I go to the same places. Oh, I'm just at, I'm just at the club with my friends. C'est la vie, 10 bottles of Dom Perignon. Okay, that's nine, $10,000 right there. Who's paying for that if she's single? So I think following the money is the best <laughs> is the best advice I can give to people. You know, look at their Instagram and look how expensive the things that they're doing are. I'm just here with my girlfriends. They're riding those dune buggies around the desert. And they're on desert safari. I'm like, okay, that's $400, $500, $600 each. What did this girl say she did? Waitress mm. in Italy? Like, you just have to understand that, you know, the money doesn't come from nowhere. And the lifestyle doesn't come from nowhere. The funny thing is, when they say they're with their friends and they're not actually posting their friends half the time. Yes, It's always very close-up yep. shots of the dinner. Maybe a little shot from a boat. Yep. And by all means, and there's nothing wrong with having a man take you on an expensive dinner. There mm. really isn't. But you just have to be able to tell the difference, the nuanced differences between what they're doing. So if a girl's here on vacation and she takes a picture of a $4,000 dinner, fine. Maybe some rich man's taken her out. Maybe I took her out. Mm. Who knows? And she's posting this on her Instagram story when I'm in the bathroom. I don't know. I don't care. But if she says I'm out for dinner with friends and it's a waiter taking a picture of four girls, her and her four girlfriends who live in, I don't know, Spain sitting at the Burj Al Arab with $11,000 worth of food on the table. I'm like, okay, somebody has said, go downstairs and eat what you want, and you four girls come up to the penthouse afterwards, wink, wink. That's mm. what's happened here. And you need to be able to see those things because you have to understand the the culture of you know how some people live in any city in the world that has money uh, and the culture of the women who come here. But I, if you don't have an eye for it, you can very easily fall into traps, yeah. very easily. Do you know what I always do? So if I have any interest in someone, whether I've seen them out and about or I've seen them on social media, I will just observe them from a distance. Yeah. Not in a stalkerish way, but it is yeah. kind of a stalkerish way. And I just observe their behavior for one or two weeks on social media. I just see what's the type of things that they're posting. Of course. So if I see that they're not really doing anything, they have no job. Maybe, maybe they want to, they're private about their work and they don't post about it. But if they're always waking up late, going to the beach, posting, you know, being at a fancy restaurant, then going to a club. And then that cycle is repeated every single day. Then I'm like, oh, this girl probably isn't for me. Yeah, things aren't free. Yeah. You know, I said this to a girl who I met her in, so she was Brazilian, and I met her in Bucharest. Strange. So she came out to the club with me in Bucharest, maybe three or four months ago. And then I come out to Dubai, and she's here, and she goes, hi, I'm here in Dubai. I'm like, oh, you're here in Dubai. That's interesting. Um, let's. I'm at the this shisha lounge. Come over. She comes over. I said, uh, what have you been up to since I saw you in Bucharest? She goes, oh, so I've been in Switzerland. I'm like, okay. I get it. And I just told her. I said, <laughs> said straight to her face. I said, look, can I ask you a question? But don't get funny about it. Don't get funny about it. I'm just going to ask you. Because I hung out with her in Bucharest. I, I hung out with her here. I, I don't pay for women ever. Everyone who knows me knows that I'm, I'm morally against paying for women. But... Um, I just said, are, are you an escort? And she went, okay, yes, I am. And I was like, you know what? Fine. Yeah, I, res still, yeah, I respect If that. I go to a club or a bar or a restaurant, I'll still invite her and hang out with her. She's not going to try and charge me money. Of course, she knows me. But the fact that she just went, fine, yes, I am. She goes, how did you know? I said, Switzerland. Switzerland is the single most boring country in the world. Investment bankers go there 
and businessmen go there. And the thing is about the investment bankers and the businessmen who go to Switzerland, the German type, the Swiss type, is they're all incredibly boring and they all like beautiful women. But there are no beautiful women in Zurich, mm. in Geneva. There are no clubs, there's no nightlife, there's nothing really to do there. So unless you bring your own women. So escorting is a massive thing over there. So I'm like, okay, she's Brazilian. She was in Bucharest. You know, I believed her story about visiting her friend. I didn't know. I also didn't care at the time. But now she's here in Dubai, and in between, she's been in Switzerland, immediate red flag. But the fact that she's submitted, I was like, yeah, cool. You know, girls, if you, if you do this, and if you do this kind of work, if you're only looking to hang out with a dude, and, you know, I don't know, hang out with the, you know what I mean by hang out. Mm. Um, if he doesn't want to take you that seriously, if you're not looking to get married, he probably won't give a fuck that much, you yeah. know? So, but it's the lies and the deception that annoy me, you know? Yeah, because... We're not stupid. Yeah, we're not stupid. And when they just keep lying and trying to stick to their story, it's yeah. just like, come on. Like, if you're lying about this, what else are you lying about? Exactly. Like, if they're straight up, and I've met a few girls out here who are just straight up. From straight the very up. beginning, they tell me yeah. what they do. I actually respect yeah. that. This is what I do, but you're young and you've got a nice place and, you know, I actually like spending time with you, so I'll see you in my spare time. Like, that's mm. cool. The lies, I, I was here in January... Um, I had a, a, an operation out here at a hospital in Dubai and I was resting up at the address downtown hotel and I was sitting by the pool and this girl from Moldova, she was speaking Romanian with her friend, comes over to me and starts talking to me. Hi, how are you? I'm like, hi, how are you? And the address downtown, everyone knows downtown is where those type of girls hang out. And I knew that already. I was sitting in the pool. I had a cast on my arm. It was stupid. So this girl starts talking to me and I said, yeah, so what do you do here? And she goes, I work in property. I'm like, okay, you work in property. Fine, Cool. So we kept talking, and my hotel room was costing me $2,000 a day to sleep at that hotel. I asked this girl after about half an hour into the conversation, so, so where do you live? She goes, oh, I stay at this hotel full time. And I'm like, <laughs> the cheapest rooms here are like 1000 bucks a night. You're telling me that you spend $30,000 a month rent. Like, that just annoyed me to the point. I'm like, just, just at least tell me your sugar daddy pays for your hotel here and you go see him sometimes. Or tell me what the real story is. Don't tell me you work in property mm. and then think I'm stupid enough that you could tell me that you live in this hotel. Either try to impress me and try to flex and try to show your watches and try and say all the nice things you live and tell your real job or do neither. You know, when you start, when girls start being like, oh, and I was here and I was in the Maldives and I was in Geneva and I've got a Rolex. Oh, but I'm a makeup artist. It's like you, you have to pick one. You have to pick a lane and stick to it. Mm -hmm. Either be humble and pretend you haven't got the nice things or brag about the nice things and tell us where you actually got them. Because we know. Yeah. So what would you say at this point in time? Are you 34 years old? 34. 34. What are you looking for now in a relationship or a woman or are you just still kind of enjoying yourself? And I have certainly calmed down. Yeah. I've certainly calmed down. <laughs> and you know what? I know lots of wonderful women and mm -hmm. I'm not gonna say their names i'm not gonna say her name but there's there's, there's a good girl in my life but also she's very understanding mm -hmm. you know uh i'm not looking for what i used to be looking for which mm -hmm. is just because i feel like i am such a i have so much potential when i put my mind to something uh with anything that i want to achieve that that can't be sleeping with new women all the time mm -hmm. because once i put my mind to that it takes away the, the same potential energy that I need to buy myself mansions and supercars and, you know. So, I don't know, man. I'd love to have more kids. I'd love to have a big family, um, you know, with with, a, with one with one girl. That'd be very nice. Three or four more children. 
but you know, you always be interviewing. You never know who you're going to meet, mm. you know, and you never know like the girl who walks past you in the street. If you don't talk to her, you never know it's gonna, if it's going to be your future wife or your future lover or your future ex girlfriend or whatever. So you know, I like to keep my options open. It's interesting because I think a lot of young guys, teenagers, or young men, they they almost have this sort of not not all of them, but some of them, quite a few of them, they have this dream of just wanting to sleep with as many girls as possible. And I think a lot of them don't understand that that is, it's really not going to provide them with the happiness which they're looking no, for. It won't. And I don't think that they understand how draining and time consuming it is. Because yeah. I've been there before, you've been there before, we've had the whole phase, and it's impossible to get anything done. Yeah, it is. And it doesn't give you the satisfaction that you think it does. The way I would describe it is, you know, trying to sleep with as many women as possible would be saying something like, uh, I want to eat as much food as possible. Mm -hmm. So you're at these all-you-can-eat buffets all day long, wasting your time sitting there. But um, it's actually better to to visit three or four really exquisite five-star restaurants per week as opposed to (laughs) spending all day at the all-you-can-eat buffet. It's just better for your mind, for your body, for for everything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, not to correlate women in buffets but you get what i mean the the sleep with as many women as possible it's it can be fun for a summer mm-hmm. but yeah the the sooner you get over it the sooner you can concentrate on, on what's really important and and when you are the guy like like you or like me and you reach a certain level the good women will naturally find you you don't have to spend all day chasing women yeah you know there are women in your inbox waiting like at, at, at any time so I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of guys they must have heard this before but if, if you just focus on yourself your business, your career, the, the women will just come eventually. That is the truest thing in the world. But the thing, is, the sad part is, it's five years of work, yeah. at least. At least five years of work. And nobody wants to do the work. Mm-hmm. It's like getting into shape, as I'm sure you know. It's, you know, when guys are, you know, fat and, and they're like, oh, well, you get women because you're in shape. It's like, well, you could be in shape, but it's for you, it's two years. It's three years, you know? Are you willing to do that? The same is with your finances, the same with your mindset, the same with lots of things. So yeah, if you do the work, the women do naturally come to you, but it's years of work and everyone wants a quick fix nowadays. Yeah. Everyone wants a magic pill or a magic spell or a magic trick and there, there are none. They don't think, exist. Uh, it was definitely a point in my mid-20s where I just needed to sort my life out because I didn't have the money. I, didn't, I wasn't in a position where I wanted to be with my career. So I literally just hid away for almost one to two years where I just eliminated distractions and just focused on the shit which I needed to do. And surprise, surprise. Here you are. Yeah. But that's good advice to anybody. Mm-hmm. It is good advice to anybody. Myself and my brother too. From age maybe 24 till 27, 28, you know, I was just essentially locked away seven days a week working 12, 13, 14 hours a day. And everyone's like, oh, wow, you, you've done well. It's like, yeah, well, surprise. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not a secret. So... I mean, I've I've listened to pretty much every single podcast which your brother's done, Andrew. Yeah. So I feel like I know what your upbringing was like because he's obviously described it so yes, many exactly. times. Is it is there anything which you would want to touch upon that's different from his story? Because I imagine everything that he went through, you were going through as well because you you yeah. two have been so tight. Yeah, the, 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 the only difference is, the only difference is, I guess it may have been slightly harder for him because he was the older brother. Mm-hmm. He didn't have an older brother to look up to. I did. Um, but in the same way, you know, with, with advice, with things in life, I've always had his back, especially since we've been adults. 
But as young kids, you know, I always had that older brother to look up to, which is why I actually spend a lot of my time. I was going to say waste a lot of my time, but I actually spend a lot of my time um, answering questions and talking to the young men who ask me for advice because, you know, I was very lucky to have Andrew there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in this world are just growing up with no men to look up to. And I realized that, you know, myself and my brother and guys like you have become that figure that a lot of people on the internet look up to in, a, in an age where, you know, the masculine men are, are few and far between. So I, I spend a lot of my time trying to speak to younger men and coach younger men. But yeah, my upbringing was exactly the same as Andrew's, but mm-hmm. slightly more difficult for him, I think. Yeah. I think it's amazing the the bond that you guys have and you're almost setting like this perfect example of how siblings should be. You know, they should be there for each other. They should have each other's back. And what I find crazy in today's world is there's, there's so many like messed up families. And even a, a girl I was seeing in the past, she has a brother, but her brother is this drug addict who does nothing, who's just a, a, a sponge taking everything away from the family. And I just can't believe that siblings can be that way and they can hate each other you know i i find it weird that there aren't more brothers like me and andrew Mm -hmm. and before the internet and before me and andrew i guess got started getting big five years ago or started traveling the world or started meeting people we didn't realize how unusual it was Mm -hmm. we really didn't we thought okay we're brothers we live together let's work together we're brothers we thought that was so normal that it's shocking that i haven't met another pair of brothers like me and Andrew. And, mm-hmm. and I'll openly say, and to all the people who I have met, I'm not trying to offend you, I haven't met anyone with a brother who works together as well or as as perfectly as me and Andrew do. And I just find that really hard to believe. And, you know, I I, I try to push this on, on younger people as well. You know, not just maybe your biological brother, but even your friends, like teaming up with other men and having strong male friendships with other dudes is, is one of the most important things in life. Like you could, the, the idea of just being a complete lone wolf by yourself, I don't, I don't think is, is, is healthy. And I don't think it's the most effective way to live. Mm. So yeah. I, I, I think it's crazy. If, if I had another version of me yeah. with me all the time, not saying we'd be twins, but just someone who's very similar, like God knows where I'd think be. of how much more you get yeah. done. Yeah, exactly. I, I do have a brother. He's two years below me and he's very similar. It was amazing when we were growing up, like we had each other's back. We spent a lot of time together. But I guess we kind of went down separate separate routes because when he was at university, he met this girl and then he pretty much just got together with this. Always girls. Yeah. He got together Always. with this girl and they've been together ever since. And he's his life, or a huge part of his life has been with his girlfriend. They're going to get married next year. So I feel like as much as I like her and they're happy together and that's great, but I feel like because of that, I lost a part of him because he was doing his thing with her. And that is always the way. Mm. That is always the way. I don't know what it was about us that made us prioritize our, our friendship and prioritize being brothers above prioritizing relationships with women. Every woman who's ever been in my life and the women that are in my life now know that there is no choice between me and them. Mm-hmm. You know, if a girl a girl was on my house at my house once on like a fourth date or fifth date, and she said, "I don't like your brother," I said, "That's a very strange thing to say. Why would you say that? I don't know. He doesn't. He seems rude. I, don't, I just don't like him. I've watched him on the internet. I don't like your brother." I said, "Well, that's unfortunate because this house is half my brother's house, and he didn't pay millions of dollars for this house for people who don't like him to sit in it. So you've got to you've got to go. Mm-hmm. Oh, but it's your house too. So get the fuck out." 
Like, I, like I will prioritize my friendship and my relationship with my, with my brother above any woman. And I feel like that may be our superpower. Yeah. Mm. As you mentioned before, there's a lot of people in today's world who lack a strong father figure and mm-hmm. a role model, both men and women. Mm-hmm. And we can see the effects of this because there's so many lost boys or men in this world who just have no one to ask advice or no one to look up to. Same thing with women. Maybe they don't have a father figure in their life and then they end up making some pretty, you know, not the best decisions in their life yeah. because of this. What advice could you give to those people who don't have that strong father figure? You what- know, I actually, I'm not really one to feel sorry for people that much because of the way that the internet has changed the world. I believe that people looking for, I believe that people have positive role models and examples thrown in their face all the time. I feel like to sit back and say, oh, well, you know, I'm just a video game porn addicted playing, you know, guy with no muscles and no physique and no physicality. Oh, well, it's because I haven't got a positive role model. I feel like today isn't an excuse. I feel like that every single second that you're scrolling on your phone or looking at Instagram, etc., there are dudes out there, you know, even even so much as selling little coaching calls or, or courses or, you know, who, who you'd want to be like. Mm-hmm. But it's easy it's easier to sit around and play video games and masturbate than it is to get the money to buy real supercars and seduce beautiful women in the real world. It is much easier. And because it's easier, I feel like a lot of people don't want a way out. So I don't need to give them advice. I feel like the advice is out there. If you're watching this and that that describes you good, at least you're listening to, to people with a healthy mindset who maybe can inspire you a little bit to try to be like that. But the type of person who really needs this, this advice and isn't going to get it is never going to watch this podcast. Mm. They're not going to look at the the photo of you there with your shoulders, et cetera, standing next to me with all my, whatever car I'm next to and think I'm going to listen to these two. So it, th- those people aren't watching. So we don't need to worry about them. You yeah. know, just let them, you know, flip our burgers and, 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 and cook our, and cook our meals. It, yeah. Anyone can selectively choose how they're spending their time or even who they're following. Yes. So if you want to sort your life out and you, you know, you want to be more conscious about who you're following. Just unfollow or even mute all the people that's posting crap. Yeah. Start following people who are spreading a good message. And one thing which I've done, which has helped me a lot, because I think I made the choice to live alone when I was 20, 25-ish. And it was very weird being alone because it was the first time I'd lived alone ever. So I was just surrounded by this eerie silence, which I wasn't used to. So what I did was I was just constantly listening to podcasts or audiobooks. So I was just constantly getting these positive messages from the right people all day, every day. And the moment I was doing that, it just completely sort of transformed my mindset. Well, yeah, it's it, the old saying of, you know, you become the average of the five people you hang around with the most. That's that's older than the internet. That's saying it predates the internet. Mm-hmm. But essentially, it means the five people who influence you the most. Um, and you know, if you do live alone or if you don't have many friends or you don't have a big group of people, what you're watching and what you're listening to influences you massively. So yeah, cut the crap out. Exactly the same with a, a healthy diet mm-hmm. it influences your health. A, health. a healthy mind is exactly the same thing. Scrolling up and down Netflix, watching trash all day is not going to get you anywhere in life, mm-hmm. literally ever. Whereas, you know, you might hear a piece of advice in a, in a podcast, in this podcast that, you know, makes you wake up and think, you know, I actually need to get my shit in order. So yeah, uh, be careful what influences you. So what what does a typical day in the life look like for Tristan Tate at the moment? 
at the moment, at the moment, it's 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 very. I wouldn't say boring because my life isn't boring. I would say it's very. Um, right now, I'm I'm back in in work mode. So I'm up at seven o'clock every day. I'm training at eight o'clock every day. I usually have something to do today. Today I've got a podcast with you, of course. It's midday, and then I always try and plan something fun as well. Uh, tomorrow I'm going driving dune buggies through the desert. I'm going shopping today in the mall at seven o'clock. And that's going to be fun. I've got four security guards with me. So let's see how big of a crowd gathers. That's going to be a bit of a nightmare, but that's going to be interesting. So I don't know. You, Just, I was going to say, you, you, and your, you and your brother, you're pretty much your business partners Yeah, in a sense. There's the, the, the Tate sort of brand, which now is massive. It's huge. Everybody knows who Tate brothers are. So what... What does the future look like? Like you've obviously had the Hustlers University. There's been the War Room, mm-hmm. probably few other projects as well. well. Loads of projects that people don't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, the the future for the tape brand is is simple. I believe that hopefully I stop getting mobbed when I go out in public. But I believe that the influence I'm leaving on young men is a legacy that's going to last longer than I continue to do YouTube. Mm-hmm. I talk to people when they bring their sons around me. Their sons are nine years old, 10 years old. They know every single second of every video I've made. They're telling me about things I've spoken about four years ago. I'm like, Jesus, do I remember, did I say that? And I believe that these young men who are so, uh, let's call it obsessed with the message that me and Andrew put across at nine, 10, 11, 12 years old, are going to grow up to be happier, stronger, more functional, functional uh, men and adults. And I think that's the future of the Tate brand. I think uh, in six or seven years, my, myself and my brother may decide to vanish from the public eye a little bit. Concentrate on ra- I'm, I'll concentrate on raising my kids, uh, stuff like that. But so far, you know, I'm happy with the way things are. The Hustlers University Two has been re- rebranded. Um, the reason we've re- rebranded it and called it the Real World is because Hustlers University Two was still built on what my brother would refer to as systems of the Matrix. It was run on Discord, who didn't like us and wanted to cancel us. The payment processors were things like Stripe and Gumroad, which didn't like us and wanted to cancel us and take us down. The real world is the Hustlers University on steroids, plus we could we can now teach whatever we want and market however we want because we're uncancelable. The cancellation, all it's done is make is made us, one, more famous, and two, impossible to cancel now. Mm-hmm. So... Whatever reach I have, uh, whatever programs I run, whatever businesses I do, whatever pages I'm still on, I can't get deleted from. So it's it's only up from here. So I believe that you're going to be hearing a lot more about us in the future. Well, Andrew's just had his Twitter given back to him. Yeah. Thank you, Elon Musk. <laughs> Are you, you're allowed to have your own channels. Twitter, I'm, I'm still banned. Wait, they haven't given me my Twitter back. So he's got his Twitter back. But you're not allowed Twitter. No. But you're allowed Instagram. And he's not. He's not allowed Instagram. Yes. But I believe within three or four months, I'll be on Twitter and he'll be, he'll be on Instagram. Yeah. I really do believe that. I think that the narrative they tried to push that, you know, Andrew and I guess his brother by extension are, are dangerous, misogynist, dangerous to the young minds of men. And they use two or three random cut up old clips from five years ago, mm. which are totally taken out of context. I don't think the people who tried to cancel us understood the true body of work we had completed over the last six years. All the podcasts we've done, all the videos we've done, all the lifestyle stuff we've done. We're talking hundreds, of th- maybe thousands of hours of content that have been made. And the moment anyone starts combing through it, they're like, oh, wow, these guys are a net positive for society. Mm-hmm. More so than most influencers, in fact. 
So we were massively underestimated. The cancellation has failed. And I believe that, I mean, Instagram, they've got to bring Andrew back, surely. They're losing market share. Very few people are using the app nowadays. Mm. Everyone's moving over to TikTok. They're trying to compete in this marketplace. But what, the mo- one of the most, probably the most popular guy on social media right now, certainly the most talked about, well, he's banned for some clip five years ago. They're going to bring him back. Yeah. And I'm going to be back on Twitter soon. Once, a, But I'm less high profile, so Elon's going to see my name halfway down the list. So just waiting on you, Elon. Well, e- even now I've noticed I've been, I was off Twitter for years. Yeah. Now I'm starting to go back because it's, it's more interesting exactly, now. and that's why and that's why back. Instagram needs to bring back not just Andrew but a lot of banned people. Yeah, so, so. so speaking of the, the the footage which you were talking about, which you've obviously filmed over the past five six years, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. I was on YouTube the other day, and a, a, a recommended video pops up, and it's you on a reality TV show. Oh yeah, from I mean, when was that? That was. 11 and a half years ago. I was 23. What's, what's the story behind that? There is no story. And I never really got famous from it because you have to understand, I was on a reality show before Instagram existed. What was it called? Before, the the Shipwreck. Shipwreck, yeah. Shipwrecked. It was a popular British television show. And I didn't do it for fame and I didn't do it for clout or money. I was, I was Z-list famous in the UK for about four months after that show aired. Mm. Then it disappeared. But I was for a time recognized in the streets, etc. Um, I only did it because, and this is going to sound hilarious now, I think it's the first time I've ever said this. They said, yeah, it's this tropical island and you go there and you're on this tropical island for two months, three months. And I just remember thinking, oh, this is an experience I probably won't ever be rich enough to replicate. So mm-hmm. like, which is ironic now. So next year, I'll probably, well, give me a year or two. I'll be, I'll have the, enough money to buy an island. But um, yeah, I just thought this is going to be a unique experience. Let me try that. So it wasn't, a very exciting experience. Every one hour episode you watch is five days condensed into a 45 minute episode. So it was like being in a beautiful sunny prison, but I, it was, it's very interesting now that people are sending me clips from it because I'm exactly, you could tell the kid in the show is a future multimillionaire. Mm. No one knows how to make the fire. I'm like, give me the things. Oh, but you don't know what you're doing, Tristan. I said, the box says fire on it. So inside this box are things to make a fire. I'm going to work it out. Leave me alone. You're arrogant. Just just leave me alone. Half an hour later, there's a roaring fire going. Like, you, you're the only person actually being productive and getting yeah. shit done in it. In oh, we got rained on. I'll build a waterproof shelter. Well, you don't know how to build. Just just leave me alone. And I built waterproof houses. Not just for me, then for everyone. So like you could tell that the kid in the on the reality show is a future multimillionaire. Mm-hmm. So it's very cool now being in my position being set, I don't actually watch it back because you know I know everything that happens. I watched them all those years ago. But being sent clips from from back then, it's it's very cool to see and it's very interesting to see. The mindset was always there. Was it was there anything you learned from that experience? Not really. I mean, <laughs> I, I found it honestly is incredibly easy. Mm-hmm. I found it incredibly easy. The diet was hard because we didn't have an, enough food to eat. But Oh, I learned how to kill pigs and slaughter mm-hmm. animals. They they taught me how to do that before I did it for the show because you know, it has to be done humanely. Um, that was a cool experience. What did I actually learn? What did I learn? Um, did, did it give you any confidence being on camera or did you not even realize the cameras were there? Not really. No. You, you get used to After the first three days, you stop realizing that the camera's around. Mm-hmm. So, now, And I was always a quite confident guy anyway. And, and still at the time, even up till five years, five years before that show was even filmed, I'd been fighting professionally. So I've been in the ring and, you know, in, in arenas and, and stuff in front of hundreds of people getting beaten up sometimes. So like I was never shy at all, but I, I didn't really learn anything. 
I'll be honest. I just I, I learned how fickle and how stupid fans and, and haters can be. I guess that was my first experience of people on the internet, you know, sending you stupid messages and, you know, internet hate. But Well, this is when you came off the show. Yeah, when I came off the show. That was my first experience of internet hate. I remember I was at a club in St. Albans and some guys came up to me. Some guys who I could have crushed, like with my bare hands. Hey, man, hey, man, can we take a picture of you? Yeah, sure. I took a picture with them. Yeah, see you later, guys. The next day, someone sends me a clip, uh, the the same picture on Twitter, with these guys guys saying, hey, I ran into Tristan from Shipwrecked. LOL told him he was a dickhead. Mm. I was like, no, you didn't, though. You were, like, super terrified and, like, humbled to meet me. Why why would you even write that? Mm. So I guess that was one experience that stuck out, your first taste of what people on the internet can actually be like. That's why when they've been coming for me the last six, seven, eight years, like, I've seen this before. Like, Mm -hmm. I I can handle it. It doesn't bother me. I think it's impressive how you've both handled it, particularly like at the peak of the storm yeah. when there was a cancellation and everybody was just, particularly, I imagine Andrew was getting yes. a lot more of it. I'm impressed that he just didn't even seem to let it phase him and just continued to do what he'd been doing before. You know what? It didn't phase him. The life me and Andrew have lived and all that we've ever been through, people typing mean words at me, does not face me. And it did not face him at all. And it was so bad, Andrew made a, a valid point, and I, I completely agree with him. There are some people, a lot of influencers, who are so fickle and so mentally weak, they would have literally killed themselves if this happened to mm-hmm. them. Quite, quite literally. There are people who I can think of. I won't say their names. You know, the really emotionally weak, skittish kind of influencer type. If the world turned on them the same way it turned on Andrew that person would have jumped off a bridge and we'd now be having a conversation about the dangers of internet bullying and the dangers of being a troll, et cetera. But because Andrew just manned up and, and took it, now he's he's toxically masculine. That's a bad thing, you know? But mm. if he jumped off a bridge, we'd be saying about all the people coming at him, they're, they're bad people. But yeah, it, the truth is he wasn't phased. I wasn't phased, he wasn't phased. We just weren't like, you know. If you look back on your life, what would you say was the hardest period for you to go through and how Um, did you overcome it well my dad dying was the hardest part for me and andrew to go through ever Mm. but what you have to understand with things like that is you don't actually have a choice people say this all the time like how did you deal with that it's like well what was what was my alternative bring him back to life there is no way out of it Mm. so you can either and people say this all the time oh my mother's got cancer she's gonna die in six months what do i do i say enjoy the next six months with her as much like there are lots of situations in life where your hands are tied so when with dad dying it was a simple matter of okay you can let this destroy you which is an option and people do this all the time drink themselves to death i don't know start cutting themselves whatever stuff people do to cope with difficult situations or you can be sad anyway because you're sad either way Mm -hmm. and work 18 hours a day. And in fact, I said that the time I was working the most when I was around 27, 28, I think he died when I was 27. So you can work 18 hours a day, not let anything distract you and stay focused on the mission. So that way you have less time to think about it and you could be sad while you're working. And then, you know, when you start to come to terms with everything, you've got millions of dollars as opposed to, oh, I've come to terms with everything, but I'm in a rehab clinic. So I think that Bad things are going to happen to your life. And everyone watching, this is the sad truth of it. Your parents are going to die too mm. before you. I mean, mo- most of you. So that is going to happen. 
So I didn't really see why it was difficult. As much as it was unpleasant, I don't think it was difficult because there isn't a way out of it. So that's the best way I can describe it. Mm. You could be a sad winner or a sad loser. So go and win every day. I think is I, mean, I guess everybody takes it differently. But I've never been the type to, you know, mope about, be depressed, complain. Yeah. If, if anything bad happens in my life, I just, I just get on with it. And I think I, I can thank my dad for that because he's been an amazing role model. Because when I was eleven, I lost my mother, yeah. so he lost his his wife. wife. He also lost his brother who committed suicide a couple of years after that. Didn't have any parents. So he'd gone through a lot of shit, but he never complained. He yeah. was always very positive, always did whatever he could for me and my brother. And because I could see that every single day, that he was very strong, never saw him cry, never saw him weak, that made me think, well, that's how I need to be as well. And it's true. And, you're, and your dad's the man. Shout out to mm. him because what choice did he have? If he had played it another way, it wouldn't have brought his wife back, but it would have viewed the way his sons saw the world and it would have viewed the way his sons cope with trauma and bad things happen to him in a very negative way. So mm. he did exactly the right thing. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. So yeah, now credit to him. Off topic, but a random question. What is your biggest fear? Real quick, guys, I just want to share with you something which I spent the end of 2023 putting together for you. You see, in life, if you are unhappy with something, you need to change it. That is one of the core philosophies that has driven me, my businesses, and my fitness over the past 10 years. In recent years, I've been asked frequently how I've managed to go from being an average personal trainer, working all day, every day in a gym in the north of England, to the position that I am in today. That is why I decided to create the digital playbook. This is a step-by-step blueprint for anybody who finds themselves in the same position that I did years ago, wondering to myself, how can I make money online? Can I really make a full-time income from creating content about the things that I actually like? How can I travel the world, work from my laptop, and at the same time still afford to live a great lifestyle? It's essentially a playbook on how I built multi-million pound businesses off the back of creating content online. If you want to check it out, head over to thedigitalplaybook.net and you can book in a call with my team to find out more. Let's get back to the episode. You know, this is going to sound so arrogant and people always tell me this. I don't have any fears. I don't have any irrational fears. I mean, like, I'm not afraid of these things, but like, you could, you could obviously say, oh, I don't want, want my mom to die. I don't want my brother to die. But these aren't fears. I don't live every day thinking these things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. If you mean what am I actually scared of, like spiders, snakes, uh, nothing. I don't swim in oceans. Not necessarily because I'm scared, because I could swim in an ocean. I could get in the water there and swim over to the Ferris wheel, no problem. I just prefer not to. Mm-hmm. I don't skydive, not because I have a fear of heights, because I prefer not to. I will not fly in a helicopter, not because I'm scared of helicopters. I just prefer not to. So I do make some calculated decisions of what I'm comfortable doing and what I'm not comfortable doing because I don't see any benefit. I don't see how my life would get better if I jumped out of an airplane with a parachute. Mm. I don't see how it would get better. It can't get better. But no, I don't have any fears. I don't have any irrational fears or fears of anything. I've I've done it before, skydiving. Had to do it here, obviously. And it was one of those things that I wanted to tick off, but... 
Did I really enjoy it? I wouldn't necessarily say so. Would I do it again? Probably not. Like it was pretty damn scary. And, and every... I, I, I'm at a point now where I don't, actually don't want to play around with my life. Too much to lose. That's yeah. where I'm at. I just thought I've, I've spent so much time in my life, you know, trying to be healthy, take care of myself. You know, I've got, I've got, I've got a daughter now that I, that you know, obviously depends on me. You know, I've, I've spent loads of time getting rich. If my cord doesn't work while I'm falling, the last minute of my life is just going to be me thinking, what the fuck did mm-hmm. I do this for? Why? And will that happen? Most likely no. But every skydiving center in the world, if you troll the forums long enough, you find out the deaths and who died and when. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the world. So I'm not talking bad about this one here particularly or the one in, in California where I was offered to skydive or the one in Australia. I'm telling you, every skydiving center in the world Google hard enough and you'll find people who have died doing this mm-hmm. at the exact center you're doing it from, which just puts me off. Well, they're obviously going to keep quiet about of it because it's a business. Of course they do. But if you, if you troll the internet hard enough, you find out. Mm. So what's your experience been so far having a child? Because this is something which I obviously have no experience of yeah. what that would actually feel like. It's something which I want to someday, I want to have a couple of kids because yeah. I feel like it's... I just feel like my life would be empty without out it. And I like to experience lots of different things. Yes. And that is probably one of the biggest experiences in life, to have kids. It's, it's, it, it's wonderful. I, mm. I can't describe it any other way. It's absolutely wonderful. But it puts a... Uh, I feel... It's going to sound really stupid. I'd feel happier with the idea of dying now that I have kids. Mm. If I had no kids and left nobody behind, I don't think... I think dying would be very sad. There'd be a bunch of supercars sitting somewhere, rust or sold to somewhere else. My house would be taken over by someone else. There's no legacy of me. Um, so, so having having kids is definitely good for that. But also, it just it, I think it kind of brings into perspective what's important. You know, I think I was a bit wilder before I had kids because the idea of going broke didn't scare me, which sounds crazy. You know, even mm-hmm. being who me and Andrew were, just like okay, oh, you know, I mean, we have we have thirty one cars between us. We were very reckless with money, and I still am because I earn a lot. But I think our second supercar, when we bought that, it wiped out our entire bank balance. I wouldn't do that now. I wouldn't wipe <laughs> out my entire bank balance for some frivolous purchase, which is going to go down in value. I wouldn't do that now. It's made me ever so slightly more responsible because mm-hmm. I understand that I now have someone who depends on me, uh, not just someone who depends on me, like. My mom, who could get a job if anything went wrong, she's two. So, like, she depends on me, and it's my job to provide for her. So, it's yeah, it's a really cool feeling. It, it really is, and watching them grow up is 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 a pleasure. Do you think there's a right time for someone to have kids, or do you think sometimes you just can't even you know control what? it? No, I don't think there's a right time to have kids. I think it's dependent on the person. Mm-hmm. I really do think it's dependent on the person. I believe that having kids intentionally when your life is messed up is a a very cruel thing to do to somebody. You know, my parents' lives were in order when they had a family and then it all went to shit. So it became bad and it could all go to shit for me. You never know. But I think that as long as you have a stable enough job, you're happy enough in your relationship, you know, people are always waiting for, no, 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 let's wait until our relationship is is this many times better or we've been together this many years, etc. I feel like Having kids uh, refreshes and rejuvenates things. Mm. So, yeah, I don't think there's a right time. I think just, you know, whenever you 
feel like it. Yeah. I actually wish I'd had kids earlier. Now that I'm, this is going to sound crazy, but if I could turn back time, some of the ex-girlfriends who I lost when I was 22, 23, 24, when I was flat broke dating these women, I wish I'd got them all pregnant. That'd be cool. Because, no, because here we are. Right now, I'd have like an army, a small army of 15 to 16-year-old people who would be like on my team helping me run the empire. But I don't. So I, that would have been a massive gamble though because actually back then I didn't have shit either. So like mm -hmm. literally paying for like rent and food for these kids would have been a problem. But yeah, it, knowing if I knew how things were going to work out for myself, I would have been less careful about getting these certain women pregnant, let's say. Because imagine I had, okay, it's me and Andrew. We're at the point we are. And you go, oh, do you have kids? And I'll be like, yeah, I got, the, I got these 12, 13-year-old boys. I got four of them. That'd be very cool. Yeah. But I don't have those. So how, how would you raise them so that they're not going to be spoiled? Because oh, super easy. There's, there's so many parents who obviously they've come into a lot of money and they're like, oh, I'm going to give my kids whatever they want. Nope. And then they end up overdoing it. Yeah. And then the kid just doesn't understand the value of money and then they end up getting addicted to drugs and doing absolutely fuck all with their life. No, it's, it's, you know what? I believe that I am way too logical to be swayed by love for my children into bad decisions. Yeah. I feel like the love for my children will make me make the correct decisions. So girls and boys are very different. Girls, one, pick a mom who isn't a hoe. That helps because the woman influences the daughter. So pick a girl who's good. Have kids with her. And by all means, spoil, spoil your daughter. Buy her things. Take care of her very well. But make it very clear to her that whatever man she's looking at when she's older in life, whatever man she wants to date, whatever man she's going to potentially go to is the man who takes care of her after I stop taking care of her. So if I have a daughter, well, I do, and she turns 17, and she's like, Dad, I've got this boyfriend. He's a 33-year-old uh, beach guitar player who makes money by playing guitar on the beach in California. I'll say, okay, cool. You love that guy? Good. Bye. Give me those car keys. Give me those Chanel handbags. Give me all that stuff I bought you. That's the guy who you've chosen to take care of you now. Good. Have fun being poor. Mm -hmm. And if you're happy, you're happy. You know, but you make it very clear that the choices that they make in men are the choices they're making for their future. Uh, boys, it's super easy. I am going to make my sons work. Simple as that. From three, four, five years old, I'm going to have them boxing, training. I'm not going to buy them nice clothes. Uh, if I have a younger son and an older son, it's going to be the same system as me and Andrew had. You know, the the, the clothes and the shoes get passed down, hand-me-downs. I'm not going to buy them anything. I'm going to make it very clear that I am rich and they are poor. And if they want to be rich, they're going to have to go through what I went through. You know, uh, Gordon Ramsay, the TV chef, this is just one example. But he makes his kids fly in economy and flies first class with his wife. Never know, oh, that's mean. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. My daughters, maybe, can sit in first class with me. My sons are back in economy if I take them anywhere ever, but they're paying for their own plane tickets. I'm just going to be really, really hard on them. And I don't see any other way. I feel like uh, trauma and stress and pressure helps build men into better people. I feel like it destroys women. So I'm going to put that trauma and stress and pressure on my sons. And I know I'm capable of doing that. Yeah, you've got to make your kids work. I remember even when I was, I think I was like 14 or 15, my dad would always make me clean everyone's shoes yeah. outside in the freezing cold yeah, good. with some polish. <laughs> yeah. And then I had to clean my rugby boots and my brother's rugby boots and his uh, hockey shoes as well. Yeah, good. Used to mow the lawn, 
used to do all these odd jobs around the house. And when I look back, it, it just felt like absolutely nothing as yeah. well. But I was like, yes, got yeah, 10 pounds. Exactly. I'll, no, I'll make my sons. I'll go as far as, you know, I, I've got some extreme examples already in my head. The way I live with my security guards, et cetera. When my kids are 13, 14, they'll be doing security. Mm. No, 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 no. Tonight, you're not sleeping in this giant house. No, you're working tonight. I'm going to give you 10 pounds. I'm going to give you 15 euros, whatever. Here, you stand here. You know, there are full grown men doing this job and I respect everyone who works for me. Well, but you want to live in this house and you think you're too good? No, 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 no. You're going to go and you're working security tonight. If you see anything, press this button. This is your job. Here's your baton. If you see someone attack, if someone comes, you better hit them. Like I'll make them, I'll make them do the jobs that people who work for me do. Mm-hmm. You know, if, when they get their driving license, good. I'll probably, I mean, I've got a V-class van now. I don't know what I'm going to be driving in the future. So I don't know, whatever limousine or whatever car I have, good. You're driving me around all day. Oh, well, you want to use the driver, but you're thinking you're too good to be a driver yourself. You know, anyone who works for me, my kids are filling those work roles as well at some point. So, um, Do you think Dubai is a good place to raise kids? No. I think it's a good place to raise girls. I don't think it's a good place to raise sons for one reason and one reason only. It's too safe and it's too yeah. nice. And I feel like... Bubble. Yeah, and I feel like the paranoia and the social awareness you need to walk through the world in most places um, is you, you wouldn't get it growing up in Dubai. So Dubai's only fault is that it's too good. If the whole world was like Dubai, it would be wonderful. You know, your kids would be free to walk the streets, you know, by themselves at age six, seven, eight and come back and, you know, come back home after night, like, like I used to when I was a kid in America. But unfortunately, the world isn't as nice as Dubai. So that's not something wrong with Dubai. I guess you could say it's something wrong with the world. But I don't think I'd raise my sons in Dubai. Well, I'd be happier with them being raised in Eastern Europe, oh, where, you know, they might get into a fight at school, they might get punched in the face. Good. Mm-hmm. Get punched in the face sometimes. That's what that's what life's about. So um, I'd be happier with that. You're you're a pretty well traveled man. Where would you say some of your favorite places are to just go to, to explore, have some new experiences? What do you mean by new experiences? You know what I mean. <laughs> no, I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I I've over the years because I've been traveling a lot since I was young, so my answers sound boring. Because I've been everywhere already. And now I don't go anywhere that I don't necessarily want to go. Why would I do that? So I think Eastern Europe, to me, is the best part of the entire world. I think from the from Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, up in the, uh, the Baltics, all the way down to Romania, Bulgaria, I, th- I think uh, it's the best place in the world. Warsaw, Poland, wonderful city. Uh, Prague, Czech Republic, wonderful city, Bratislava, Slovakia, of you know Budapest, Hungary, uh, Bucharest, Romania, of course, where I live. I think these are the best places on earth. And I don't like South America, too dangerous. I don't like most of Africa, too dangerous. The Middle East, I've been to many places. I've been to Iraq. I've been to a few places in the Middle East. But um, Dubai is the jewel of the Middle East. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to come to the Middle East, you're here in Dubai. Some people say they like Tel Aviv, but... Um, yeah, so I, I believe I've seen most of the world. Asia is very interesting. South Korea was very interesting. I wouldn't say I like it. I don't like hanging out there, but it was interesting to see. Japan's the only place I think that I haven't been yet that I yeah, want to go. Same. And I had it booked, but then the COVID, that dangerous virus that was killing everybody, canceled my plane tickets. Mm. I didn't go. It's on my list as well. I think maybe April next year yeah, I'll go. I, I do have to do Japan. But again, Japan will be a place like South Korea was. It'll be very interesting to see. It'll be very cool to be there. But 
hanging out. No one speaks English. You're not Japanese, so you're always a second-class citizen. Is it really? I don't know if it's going to be good for hanging out, but we'll see. Yeah. So I don't know the question to ask you. Do you think having a purpose in your life is important? And if somebody grown up, male or female, feels like they don't have a purpose, how do they find their purpose in life? That's a strange question to ask me because I don't think I found my purpose in life until I was 32. So I, I feel like my purpose in life now is to set a good example for young men in a world that doesn't have any good examples. But I don't think everyone is going to reach that level of enlightenment with their mission. Mm-hmm. And I don't think everyone should because when I was 28 and when, when I was 29... I was very happy. I was perfectly happy having not found what my purpose in life is. And you know what? I may think I know my purpose in life now. When I'm 40, I may realize it was actually something else and find something else. No, I don't believe life has to be a purpose. I just believe in making sure that you are happy and making sure that that happiness is spread as much as possible to the people you interact with and the people around you. That is a way to live a fulfilling life. You don't have to have a mission to live a fulfilling life um, or a purpose. You know, you could be, you could live, you know, basically by yourself your whole life. But if you really enjoy yourself and you really enjoy this, this trip around the sun that we're all taking and everywhere you go, you're polite and you're nice and you're kind, who cares that you didn't impact the world? You know, you don't need a purpose. You're obviously doing quite a lot of business now with some big figures in Dubai and around the world. How do you decide who to do business with and whether or not someone is trustworthy? Hmm. That's a very tricky question. I believe that if you get to my age and you have made a kept a very clean reputation for yourself, then that's a very difficult thing to do because people are always looking to tear you down. People are always looking to cheat me, in which case they may speak bad about me. But whatever it is, I have friends in Dubai who I trust very much. And when I get approached by certain people, hi, my name's this, I'm from this certain family, I'd like to meet and talk to you. I literally run the names by my friends who've lived in Dubai for many years and understand this region of the world and know who everyone is. And I say, are these people trustworthy or not? And my friends are very trustworthy because I've known them for many, many years and curated my friendship group by cutting people out and you know keeping the high value people uh, inside as well. So I don't do business with many people, but also I also have a, I have a second vote me and my brother both have to agree that somebody's trustworthy, that we both want to do something. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. So there's always a debate on somebody and somebody's character. I said, I'm going to do Mike's podcast today. Andrew said, nah, not Mike. He's the guy's a... <laughs> <laughs> the guy's a piece of... No, I'm, I'm kidding. But and, and whatever I'm doing, we always run the ideas past each other. So there's an extra layer of check built in to my life. Hmm. So I feel like that's very important as well. So if you have friends you trust, even if they don't know this person personally you know, run the idea past them. Explain how you met the guy, how you got in contact with him, who he is, and, you know, let your friends give you a, another opinion. I think that's probably, I never thought about it, that's probably what influences my decisions the most. I think cause it definitely becomes more difficult as you, obviously, you and your brother have just risen to this oh, yeah. point of fame. Everybody wants to do business with you. Everyone wants to be associated with you, or maybe just people want to be seen with you for clout. Yes, and, and another one is, and this... You know, and I don't apologize for saying this. How rich is that person? Mm -hmm. How rich are they? How successful are they? 
if someone drives a Bugatti and owns Tigers, like a lot of people do here, and said, Tristan, I want to meet you and your brother and talk business. I'm like, okay, this guy doesn't need to make $1 million. $1 million doesn't mean anything to this guy. Let's listen to what he says. When somebody who's flat broke says, I have an idea that will make us all a bunch of money. I'm like, you don't know what a bunch of money is. Because if I, I have the magic touch. Me and my brother could get involved in this broke guy's business. We could. And we could make it successful. And we could make $1 million a year. He'd make his million dollars a year. And he'd be so happy. He's got rich now because he's the business partner of the Tate Brothers. I would have put time and effort into something and made less money than I sometimes make in a couple of days. So how successful are they is a very big thing to do with how I make my decisions also. You know, if, someone, if, if someone's got a bunch of money and they're already successful, good, I'll, I'll talk to them. Because then they want to make about an amount of money that's going to matter to them. Therefore, I'm going to make an amount of money that's going to matter to me. So yeah, it's, at this stage, it's no brokies. So sorry, guys. You know, So all you young men sending me your business ideas on Instagram... Do them yourself. <laughs> like, I'm not going to do your business with you. I'm just not. Have you got any advice for 21-year-olds who, I guess, seem pretty lost and they don't really know which direction to go in? What would you offer to those guys in terms of advice? Oh, I've got loads of pieces of advice. Loads. Uh, if you don't know what to do, don't go to university. Yeah. That's the first thing. If you know what you want to do and you need a university degree to do it, then obviously pursue that. If you don't know what you want to do, Going to university is going to burn three or four years of your time and likely get you into a bunch of debt and a bunch of trouble that you don't need. Um, if you don't know what you're doing, avoid university. Uh, step number one. Two, um, young men who are lost. What can I say? Don't uh, waste... Yeah, don't waste time. Yeah, don't waste time on, on frivolous pr pursuits. Stop trying to live like the man unless you've actually become the man first. And that means women... Stop trying to get laid all the time and get beautiful women. Because if you are a nobody, the time and effort it's going to take into convincing a really beautiful woman to go to bed with you is much less time than it would take me or Mike because we are a somebody already. So you're burning your hours. Uh, yeah, don't chase women too much. Don't chase having fun too much. Don't chase clout too much. Don't try to be seen in cool places that you can't actually afford to be in. You know, Dubai is actually a very interesting example of this. I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent here, but that, that's all good advice. It's simple. Dubai is a very good example of this because Dubai is a place where people can look like they're doing something big when they're doing absolutely nothing at all. Mm -hmm. There are hotels in Dubai, like the hotels I stay at, that are one, two, three grand a day, 10 grand a day. They do exist. And there are also hotels in Dubai up near the old town where, you know, the laborers and the workers stay that cost $35, $40, $50 a day. That, that does happen. You could fly to Dubai, and people do this. Men do this with no money because men don't have the, the ability to just, you know, hit dating apps in Dubai and live the good life. They come to Dubai uh, with their friends. They have no money in their pockets. They have a nice shirt that they'll wear, fine. And they'll take a taxi from their really cheap hotel down to downtown, picture in front of the Burj Khalifa, click, picture in front of a Lamborghini, click. Now they're a guy with a picture in front of a Lamborghini in Dubai. They're a guy who hangs out in Dubai now. He's at the Burj Khalifa. He makes less than $1,000 a month, probably. You know, people do this. <laughs> mm. They literally clout chase based on location. And that is the biggest waste of time that I've ever heard of. You know, go, yeah. on a, go on a vacation within your budget and have fun with your friends, by all means, and take your mind off trying to be somebody. But yeah, people pretend too hard today. And the, the effort it takes to pretend short-term will make you look richer or cooler or more successful than you are. 
But if you take all the time that you spend pretending and actually invest it into trying to become what you're pretending to be, you'll get there. Yeah. But it will take, again, three, four, five years and people don't want to do it. Did, did you spend much time when you were younger like reading books? Or did you feel like most of the things you've learned today have just come from life experience? I've read thousands of books. But I agree with a lot of people, including my brother, who say that reading books is largely a waste of time. I used to have time to waste. Books are entertainment. People read and they think that reading is going to make them rich or make them successful. I feel like reading is putting your brain on pause. You know, you might uh, be entertained for a while, but I, I just feel like I feel like it's a higher form of Netflix to me, mm. you know? And even, you know, success books, you know, I, I saw a copy of Rich Dad, Poor Dad somewhere here in your, oh, your yeah. apartment. Yeah. I'm not saying that reading that isn't in, entertaining. I mean, there's a movie called The Pursuit of Happiness about, you know, the, I don't know if you've seen a Will Smith movie where yeah. he, he gets successful and stuff, but it's still not going to make you rich. You were already who you were before you bought that book. I know that book isn't that old. But if you're young and you're broke and you don't have anything in life, I don't feel like these success-based, what I would call success porn books, these, you know, alter your mindset, alter your life kind of books are going to benefit you massively. I've read loads of books, but I read for entertainment. That's I think it. a lot of people, I know so many people that do this, they'll spend all their time reading or watching. They're just constantly trying to learn. But never taking action. There's no action, yeah. And then again, people think reading makes you smarter. I agree. And they think smarter makes you richer. And I disagree. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, some of the smartest people in the world are flat broke. Working in, in some university somewhere explaining, you know, physics theories to a bunch of kids who've paid their tuition fees. Some of the, And they're broke. So no, smart doesn't necessarily equal rich. So don't think reading equals smart, smart equals rich. I would avoid books, actually, if I was trying to make something of myself and trying to make money, I would avoid books besides maybe half an hour before going to sleep. I, I think you just need to get out in the field and do something. You do. If you ran, a, so I ran a, a business with my brother that failed before I was 21 years old. That qualified me more to run a successful business than anyone who from age 18 to 23 studied business at university for five years and got a master's in business. Me having run my one failed company was more qualified to run a successful company after that than they were. Because the person who they learned from at university doesn't run successful companies. It's just a bunch of book learning. It's a bunch of theory that isn't really applicable to real business, in my opinion. Well, that's what I experienced, so, and I completely agree. Yeah, there we go. I was getting lectured by people who had no money. Yeah, we're broke. And I was like, hang on, this doesn't really add up here. Like, I, I would like to actually listen to people who've been there, done it, and have the experience to share. Well, university has a monopoly on the... What's the exact term I'd use? University has a monopoly on the borrowing power of young people. The financial borrowing power that I have as a multimillionaire is huge. Mm -hmm. Young people have none. If you're 18, 19, and you try to get a loan, you can't get one. University has a monopoly on this. So if you're in the United Kingdom... And this is very, very sad. And you are 18 years of age and you go to a bank with a great plan. You say, I am going to start a business. My name's Tristan Tate. I'm 18 years old. The bank's already not interested. But let's say they even heard you out and you had a nice, solid business plan. and said, I need 30,000 pounds. 
I'm going to start this uh, business. It's going to become a successful company in my town. Eventually, I'm going to expand to London. I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 25. This is my business plan. Can I have 30,000 pounds? No. It will be no 100% of the time. If you're an 18-year-old kid and you say, hey, I want to be a pilot. I don't want to join the military and fight your bullshit wars that you want us all to fight to get a pilot's license. Plus, a lot of pilots, they want you to go to university first nowadays. But regardless, I want to be a pilot. Can I borrow 30,000 pounds? I need this many hours of flying time at this airfield on these aircraft. If I complete all these various hours, I'll have a pilot's license by the time I'm 21. Then I want to apply to work for airlines. Can I borrow some money, Mr. Banker? No. Mm -hmm. Hi, I don't really really know what I want to do with life. I'm 18. Don't really know what I'm going to do, so I'm, I'm going to study business, economics. Oh, here's your check for 60 grand, 70 grand. Ching, ching. Here you go. Enjoy paying it back one day. They have a monopoly on the borrowing power of young people. And I don't believe that if the battlefield was fair and amounts of money were offered for things like pilots, licenses, for things like business ideas, startups, I feel like if the borrowing power of young people was not concentrated and monopolized by university, young people could flourish so much better and so much more. Mm-hmm. But it is, which is why I'm going to plug very quickly the, the real world, the educational platform myself and my brother have. We have 18 millionaires teaching 18 different modern ways of wealth, wealth creation and the subscribe, it's $149 a month to join, but $49 a month after that to stay inside. $49. Everyone makes $49 and now you have 18 actual millionaires giving you lessons and telling you how to make money. Before you want to go to university, if you don't know what you're doing, go to the faculty car park. Go to the parking lot of your university where the teachers park. And look what they're driving. Mm. You won't see one car that you'll ever want. Ever. So these are the people who are teaching you. These are the people who you're listening to. So you'd advise those people who aren't sure about going to university to not go to university. If you're not sure, don't go. Yeah. If you're not sure, don't do it. Imagine the university to be a, a girl at the end of a drunken night out. You get back home, you know, if you're not sure, you don't think you should do it, you definitely shouldn't. What advice would you give to people who are just like chronic procrastinators? Oh, they're um, just not taking action. Yeah, the, the the advice is very simple. I have the perfect piece of advice for them. It's have fun staying poor. Have fun staying poor. You're never going to make it. I don't care. Because if you can't watch, if you can't look at your Instagram and think, you know what, maybe I should get in the shape. If you can't look at my Instagram and think, you know what, maybe I should make some money. And you literally, with all the inspiration shoved in your face nowadays, I mean, you're sitting in this luxury apartment in Dubai overlooking the, the ocean. On a, I don't even know what day is it. What day is it? What day it is? Sunday. Sunday? On a Sunday afternoon. Like, this is what we do. If you can't watch people like us, if you're watching this podcast and think I need to do something and you're a procrastinator, good. Mm. I don't care. Have fun staying broke. Because like you said, I need someone to wash my cars. I need people like you. So... Not everyone can make it to the top and there's no help for those people who, who can't motivate themselves. If you are, you can't pay your bills, you know, it's, it's hard to pay your rent, you're eating the crappiest food, you're driving the crappiest car, all the beautiful women in the world don't look at you, you can't afford any nice clothing and you're sitting around thinking, oh, well, you know, just, just a few more hours playing Fortnite, then then that's your station in life and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And you've... You gotta understand if you if you want that life which you're dreaming of, you have to make some sacrifices. Of course. 
And even when it comes to relationships and women, I've, I've had to make sacrifices. I've had to end relationships. I've had to just go through phases where I didn't even bother at all just yeah. to keep my mind focused on the mission and yeah. to avoid the distractions. It's very hard to become successful. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to become rich and successful. And that's why very few people do it. It's very, few, very hard to become influential, to get people following you, to get people listening to you. It, it's difficult. So if you, if you can't motivate yourself to do it, mm-hmm. you know, fuck you. It's the way I feel. Have you got any advice for people who are in relationships with someone who they think they love or they admire a lot, but they know deep down that that person is holding them back? Very quickly, guys, I just want to ask you a quick question. Are you taking supplements? And if you are, do you have any idea if you're taking the right supplements in the right amounts? You see, the more that I discovered about the importance of micronutrient supplementation and the adverse health effects of micronutrient deficiencies, I would constantly ask myself the same thing. I would go into supplement stores, load up on bottles of micronutrients and pop pills daily without really knowing if they were doing me any good or not. That's when I decided to try out Bionic. Since 2021, I've been getting my blood work done with them every three to four months. Once the blood test has been analyzed, they would put together a customized micronutrient formula tailored specifically for me. And this would last me for three to four months until I got my blood work done again. And since then, I've honestly never looked back. If you are also serious about performing at your best, preventing development of diseases and maximizing your overall health and well-being, I highly recommend you give it a try. And they've recently introduced Bionic Go, which is a fraction of the price where all you need to do is just fill in a questionnaire online without the need of a blood test. If you want to find out more, or give them a try, head over to bionic.com, but you can use my exclusive referral code BQMikeThurston for a discount on your first order. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I did. don't let them hold you back. Don't let them hold you back. I mm-hmm. have friends that could hold me back, even today, but I don't let them. Mm-hmm. I have friends where if I hung around with them every day, I would not be in the position that I am in. Um, I've certainly had women in, in, in relationships where if I did whatever she wanted, I would not be where I am today. Mm-hmm. You know, even 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 little things. Sometimes you wake up at 7 a.m., you want to be in the gym by 8. She starts, you know, reaching down your pants and stuff. It's just like, you know, sometimes just get up, say no, hit the gym, have your shower, tell her you'll see her tonight and get to work. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, you know, okay, all right, fine. One more round, then it's 8 o'clock, then a little nap, then it's 10 And it's, oh, do you want breakfast? Oh, yeah, I'd love it if you make me breakfast. Then it's 11. Nothing productive has happened. You have to be the man in your relationship. And if you're the man, you do what needs to be done, not necessarily what you want to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying you have to break up with your girlfriend. I'm saying you have to change the dynamic. She's not the boss of you. Even when things are pleasurable and nice. Because believe me, if I could be in the exact, exact same physical condition, in the exact same financial condition... And all I had to do around was, all I had to do was lay around on my couch with beautiful women watching Netflix and getting blowjobs. Believe me, I do that. <laughs> but you can't. No. That isn't an option. So, you know, don't let your girlfriend make you feel too comfortable and just don't fall into the trap of, of enjoying it too much and enjoying the pleasure too much. Make room in your life for the discomfort. So keep your girlfriend. It's fine. But just don't. It's, ha- it's happened so many times with me in the past where I, I just, I, I spend too much time with him. I end up just becoming like just soft, yeah. losing the discipline. 
And even like, say for example, you know, you have a bit of action in the morning, you bust a nut, and you try to go and train legs after that. Like, yeah. it's just, I'm not really in the mood to train legs. I'm too chilled out. Exactly. So you have to make life hard for yourself because no one else is going to do it. <clears throat> no one else. I'm certainly not going to come into your room at 7.30 and kick your door down and say, I don't know what your name is, Stephen from Los Angeles. It's time to get your life in order. Let's get up. Let's hit the gym. You're not going to, that's not, I don't care about you. No one cares about you that much. You should care about yourself that much. Mm-hmm. And in which case you can't let women make you feel too comfortable because it's women's, it's not something to do on purpose to stop us, but I feel like it's a woman's natural instinct to want as much of your energy as possible. Yeah. And she's happiest when she gets the most energy from you as possible. A woman wants nothing more than you to be at home with her all day long, talking to her all day long, watching movies with her all day long, and have sex with her five times a day. That's a woman's dream. And you know what? By all means, do that once you have $100 million. <laughs> but yeah. don't, don't do it now. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I like to have that time because in, in a way, it's it's the the rare time where I can actually switch off. Yeah. And I think it's, it's important for me to just switch off every now and then, but not too much. Because if I switch off for too long, then obviously everything just starts going to shit. You lose your edge. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've found from my experience, it's usually going to go better for me if I'm seeing someone who has their own shit going on. Yeah. If they, you know, they don't even have to be making loads of money, but they just have to have some passion for something, have something which they go off and do on a day-to-day basis so that, they're not always so demanding of your time. Yeah. Because that's the thing which always used to kill me. If I was ever seeing like these influencer girls, their one main job or responsibility was just to take a couple of pictures for Instagram. Yeah. And they'd get decent money from that because they had like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers. Yep. But then they have the rest of the day just to go and live their life and enjoy. And then they want to do it with you. Yep. And I would love to do that, but... I can't do that. I've got other shit to do. Yeah, and I feel women respect you a lot more when you when you don't give them all the time that they'd want. Mm. They respect you a lot more. No, I'm not going to... No, it's 7 a.m. Get your hand off my dick. I've got to get up and go to work. It's five degrees outside. I've got to get into the office. So I am leaving. You know, there's there's more of that, wow, he's the man, you know? I Because very few men are made out of, of, of that kind of material. So you do have to... It, it, it earns the respect of women too. And if you're busy all the time, but they know you're legitimately busy, legitimately working, legitimately making millions of dollars, you know, there's a level of respect that, that you know, I'll get from women that you won't by laying in bed with her for an extra three hours. Mm. So, Even even last night, <laughs> I had someone who wanted to stay with me. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you know, that'd be, I would like that, but I'm actually, I've got a pretty important podcast tomorrow and tonight I actually want to prepare for it. So I'm going to have to go. And she was sad, but then she was just, she was in awe and admiration of the fact yeah. that I was going to stay in on a Saturday night and just focus on preparing for this podcast. And that's what makes the 1% the 1%. Because mm. most men don't say no to beautiful women. Mm-hmm. Most men won't say, no, I'm busy. No, I have work to do. And that, that's why we are where we are. Do you believe in love? Yes, I do. Have yes, I can confidently say that I do believe in love. Have you been in love? I don't know. Probably not. I probably haven't been. Because if I had been, it would have worked out. Mm. Because I feel like I've seen love. I know people who are in love with each other. My mom and her her husband, actually my husband, they're getting married in, de- in December, are in love. 
this guy is my mum's soulmate. I love my dad. He was a G. But being a G and being a good husband are two very different things. You know, I see love all the time. And I know people who have been with their, you know, wives since, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. And, you know, it obviously does exist and it is very real. I've probably thought I was in love a few times, but I don't know. I just, I just... It's hard to define what it is. It's hard to define what it is. And I believe it's probably people's brains are wired differently. Mm-hmm. My mind does not work the same as yours. It does not work the same as a woman's mind. That's for sure. So who is anyone to say what love is and what love isn't? I, I can say maybe maybe I haven't been, although I thought I was at the time, but maybe I was. And maybe like with anything sad that happens, like losing a, losing a relationship where you're in love, maybe you just get over it. So yeah, uh, yeah, I guess I was. I guess I'll I, say that I was. I, th- I think I have been. I don't know what the true definition is. Yeah. But it was like I had been possessed by this drug of some sort where like time didn't exist and I was just completely obsessed with this one person. It's happened, I think, tw- twice before. And I don't know if it was just like, really strong affection or admiration for someone or whether it was actually love. But I feel like that was that was probably the closest it would ever be to it. Yeah, because but even last time that happened to me, it only lasted a few weeks with the girl. Yeah. Same with me. It was it, weird. It, it was not like it lasted for six months. Yeah. I thought it would do, but it was like very strong and then it kind of tapered off. And then I was just thinking, well where the the hell did that go? <laughs> like, why is it not always going to yeah. stay like that? I think everybody has to, everybody has different experiences. I mean, look at it this way. If I were to say, what, describe, okay, take 10 people you know, randomly. Name them, like, just think of them in your head. Mm-hmm. Think of them when they're angry. They all behave differently, don't they? Some people are smashing things up, kicking through windows. Some of them are just calm. Some of them sit there and look very serious. Think of them when they're sad. Some of them are very blank-faced. Some of them you wouldn't know. Some of them go a bit quiet. Some burst into tears. So, Obviously, normal emotions that we all understand very well have been can be expressed by 10 different people in 10 different ways. But love, people act like it's one consistent thing that everybody feels like some magical spell and it's the exact same feeling for every single person. It can't be because mm-hmm. anger isn't, sadness isn't, happiness isn't. So, yeah, you're right. It is different for everybody. It has to be. I, I don't know if I would want to experience it again. I'm happy I did. But the thing which I'm scared of is when I get so distracted by something like that. Like I remember at that point in time, I didn't care about anything. Like I didn't care about money. I didn't care about work. Even my friends. Like I was that guy that pied off my friends because I just wanted to be with this girl. And I don't think (laughs) I want want to experience that again. Yeah. I I certainly wouldn't want that. I Mm. certainly would not want that. So let's hope that never happens. I think I'm, I'm much happier. I feel now, even though it sounds quite sad, just being more cold. Oh yeah, no, that's the key to happiness. Yeah, I guess with with women it is certainly, especially the way that the world has changed. It's very different from the 1950s. You know, you fall in love with your high school sweetheart, and it's fine. Women out there in the world, some of them are scary. Mm. Women talk about all the time about oh well this guy, this boy's a fuck boy or this guy's toxic or this guy's that. No 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 no. There are women out there who are terrifying. You would you don't want to mix up with them. Mm-hmm. Like uh. Like in uh, ancient Greek mythology, the sirens, you know, they're beautiful and they have beautiful singing voices, but they'll, they'll eat your heart, you know? There are women out there who I feel sorry for men when I see, I literally date and have met women like this, but 
being, I've never really got attached to any of them, but I know who the killers are. And then I'll see them with some guy, you know, maybe he's a little bit older than me. Maybe he's got a bit of money and they're like in the Maldives together holding hands and I'm just looking at them like, ah, <laughs> this poor guy. It's not going to end well, my brother. Yeah. But, uh, you know, whatever, let them play their game. But how, so how does someone who is more naive protect themselves or even just look out for those warnings, signs or red flags of someone who's a killer? I don't think there's a way to protect yourself besides dating women more naive and less experienced than yourself. Use yourself as a kind of litmus test. But if you think you're some 24-year-old kid and you caught a crypto pump and you're a millionaire, oh, now you're at the millionaire clubs with the girls who millionaires hang out with, that girl is no good for you. She's about to, she, you're about to get fucking famoosed. Mm. Like you're, you're going to lose money, time. You're going to be buying shit for her. She's going to have other boyfriends. Like date women less experienced than yourself if you want to avoid heartbreak, mm-hmm. I think. Because then at least you're some sort of authority figure on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that, that, I guess that's the only way. Have you gone through a heartbreak? Not really. Not really. I had this one particular girl who we'd argue all the time. See, I don't, I am so confident that all the decisions I make are correct that I don't experience heartbreak. And this sounds arrogant. I feel like when you're looking at a chessboard, sometimes you have to sacrifice pieces to continue your position going well. Mm. And I look at where I am today and I'm thinking, yeah, good, good, whatever. I, I put this on a Instagram photo. I said, and Everyone who I've ever lost is worse off without me. Mm-hmm. And that's how I genuinely feel. There was this one particular girl where I guess it was the closest thing I've ever had to a hard breakup. I was dating her, but we'd break up for stupid reasons all the time. Stupid reasons. I can't explain how stupid they were because I don't even remember how stupid they were. Like, I was going to take her for dinner. Andrew forgot his keys. It was the winter. Andrew's outside the house. All right, we're turning around. But you said you're going to take me for dinner. Shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. What am I gonna do? Leave Andrew outside for three hours? What a stupid like that stupid reason would spiral into an argument where we'd break up for two or three weeks. Now, I'm the kind of guy that if you break up with me, if you think I'm gonna be in my room with my laptop out on Pornhub, you are wrong. If you've broken up with me, then good. You've got about 24 hours to make up with me, or there's gonna be somebody else in my bed. Because if you you're not like I think that would be very cruel as a man if I would somehow make an argument and break up with my girlfriend then go sleep with other people mm-hmm. and then get back with her. That would be some sort of trick, some type of manip- manipulation. But if you're a chick and you want to break up with me, good. you got about 24 hours before there's someone else at least around me. So don't waste your, you know, don't, don't break up with me for stupid reasons. And this girl understood this very well mm-hmm. because every time she'd ever break up with me, there would always be someone new. So essentially, we broke it up over, I remember the exact reason I had a business meeting. And she said, can I come? And I said, no. And she said, why? I said, because these are important people I'm meeting and no, you cannot come to the business meeting. And she goes, oh, well, please let me come. Please let me come. And I said, you know, okay, yes, you can come. So she gets doled up, does her nails, does her makeup. We meet at a restaurant. These guys are from New York City. A bit fat, out of shape, older guys. They were like, yeah, I'm in Eastern Europe. I want to see some girls. I want to go to a strip club. So I said, okay, cool. We were eating at the restaurant for about 45 minutes. I said, okay, cool. You have to go home because I've got to take these guys out to a strip club. Well, why did you invite me if it's only 45 minutes? I was like, don't. Are you oh. out of your mind? Literally, shut the fuck up, go home. <laughs> Sent her home. Well, you you know, her argue, she was in the wrong and I was in the right and we broke up. Cool. Start sleeping with other women, obviously, as I do. 
get back with this girl for about two days. And then this girl I was sleeping with says she's pregnant. And I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. There's an interesting situation to be in. So I straight up tell my girlfriend at the time, yeah, this girl's pregnant. And she basically gave me the choice. Well, okay, fine. Tell her to get rid of it. And then we'll stay together. I'm like, oh, oh, I see. So you think I'm going to literally kill a child for a woman who breaks up with me because of stupid reasons like this? I said, no. I said, no, that, that was the choice I made. And it was a hard, it, no, but here's the thing. It wasn't, it was hard losing her, but it wasn't a hard choice. It was the easiest choice in the world. And now I have my daughter who I love more than I'll ever love that chick. So that, that was, yeah, that's the yeah. exact situation. Wow. So, yeah, I've been through hard situations, but again, that's a binary choice. Like, I, mm. I would never have ever said to a girl, get an abortion so I could stick with some chick who doesn't yeah. um, respect me enough to, to not play stupid games. So it was hard losing her, I guess, but it wasn't hard at all to make the choice. I think I think a lot of men should just embrace it. Like, it's a part of life and it, it just makes you tougher. It is. Like, it, it was one really hard breakup when I was 26 and I was... I was pretty messed up for like a month or two, but I had so much pride that I knew it was, the relationship had to come to an end. And as much as I didn't want to, yep. I was like, it's done. Because she she told me she'd been speaking to another guy. And I was like, okay, well, that's it. That's, you could do, yeah. Yeah, it's but over. Yeah, yeah, it has to be. It has to be. You can't ever be that little bitch who goes back yeah. after that. So there was time, obviously, I, she was like my best friend. And we I, I was thinking about her a lot you know, because I was living alone. I didn't really have like many friends or anything at that point in time. So there were so many times I wanted to message her or even just like, oh, let's just give it another shot. But I was like, no, nah. like, I refuse to do that because I'm too proud. And that was the smart decision. Yeah. And I, just overcoming that turned me into, I don't know, I'd say like a, just a bit of a savage, really. Like I was just cold after that. Like I was ruthless. But And then that gave me the sort of the freedom, the confidence to start traveling the world and meeting so many new people. You know the best thing about becoming influential and successful and rich and smart and all the, all the, on the life trajectory that people like me and you are on, the coolest thing is all of your exes finding you after all. Yeah. Exes. Oh, hi. Oh, yeah, it's a shame it didn't work out. Yeah, shame for you. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Every, single, like every single one of them has messaged me. I know. Over at some point, they all message you, or you catch them watching. And that one in particular, she she did not stop messaging me because she knew she fucked up. Remember, remember my quote: "Everyone who I've ever lost is worse off without me." That's the Tristan Tate original quote. Remember that one because <laughs> it's true. It's true. So, yeah, fuck everyone I've ever lost, and I mean friends, I mean everybody, mm. and, and it's very true. And it's it's interesting as well. As you get older, you just you just get better. You just have more experience. You, you, you can even trust your gut instinct even more when oh, it comes to women and so many life situations. So it's, it's, it's difficult when I have so many of these youngsters asking me for advice and what to do and even how to get better with women. And you, you can't just sit there and listen to books or watch videos. Maybe that can help you a little bit, but a lot of it just comes from experience. It does. And because I'm not the type of person who because I know there's a lot of people like this, they will hop from relationship to relationship, like a long-term one. So maybe they've only been with like three or four women and it's just been like long-term relationships. They don't actually have a huge amount of experience. Maybe they have experience with being in a long-term relationship, mm -hmm. but that doesn't necessarily prepare them for... Women. Yeah, overall. Because every, every single woman that I've been with, they've all been different in some way. Every single one. And even... 
you know, some things which like a certain woman likes, whether it be in bed or out of the bed, you can go from the next woman and they'll like yeah. complete you're, opposite. You're, you're playing a different instrument every like, time. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to learn it. doesn't it. make any sense. So you just, just have to adapt and learn. Yeah, you have to adapt. Aikido. My brother said this about apples, actually. He just said, if you imagine women are like apples, there's this dude who's, you know, imagine a guy who says, I just tried this new fruit. It's called an apple. This is the best apple ever. This is the most perfect piece of fruit you can ever get. That's your first apple. Yeah, that's my hmm. first ever apple. You don't know what you're talking about. Find the guy who's tasted all the apples, the rotten apples, the, the green apples, the red apples. You know, He's in a qualified position to tell you what a good apple is and what a good apple isn't. So that's what you're saying about long, long-term relationships. Yeah. Some guys have been like, oh, experience with women. I've, you know, I was married for 21 years. I've got experience with women. No, you have an experience with a woman. Mm. Completely different thing. What would you say are the top five things which a man could do to make himself more attractive to women? Uh, I think number one, number one has to be get in shape. Mm-hmm. It has to be get in shape. I mean, obviously you take getting in shape more seriously than almost anyone I know. But even myself, like I don't, like I had, I was out of shape at the beginning of this year because I had some problems with my my arm that I was fixing and I couldn't train. I, I just looked at myself in the mirror, even though I wasn't in horrible shape, just thinking, Jesus Christ, this is this is abysmal. So it's, a, and I think that the standard I set on my, the standard you set on yourself is what's attractive. Yes, the great body and the, the 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 physical shape comes with it, but I feel like women are attracted to that in general. I mean, there are athletes, there are boxers um, who you know they are a bit fat. MMA fighters, you know, a lot of them. Look at some of the heavyweights; they're not in the best shape in terms of bodybuilding uh, aesthetically. But the fact that they're up every day learning how to fight, you know, working, training in the gym, it does something to your mind as well as your body mm-hmm. that women find attractive. So that has to be number one. Uh, more attractive to women, learn how to talk, learn how to be funny, learn how to deal with women. You know, some people just have no idea how to speak to women and how to and and how to be around women. Understand that I don't know how many this is. Understand that male psychology and female psychology are very very different. You know, some people with no experience with women, they will think that women think like men, which is one of the biggest mistakes that I think people make in general. You know, young guys are like literally, they'll send pictures of their dicks or naked pictures to the girls they like. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. You'd like it if she sent you a naked picture. And even if you're flirting and she seems interested in you, maybe she's interested in you. Don't send her a picture of your dick. Like that's that's negating, that's correlating male and female psychology in a bad way. That's just a, an example. Um, I don't know. I, I think know. for me, what I've experienced is obviously being in shape can help. That's super but that's boring. that's not gonna get you. It's all not because I, I know guys who are out of shape who get loads of beautiful women. Yeah, I think what has helped for me is, like you said before, just being able to have a conversation, be interesting, Confidence. share stories, ask them questions, be funny. Yeah, women being, love to talk about themselves. Being, being funny is underrated as well. You don't have to like try too hard, but you know, have a little bit of sense of humor, make them laugh. If you can make them laugh, then you can make them do anything. Yeah. yeah. They're yours. Yeah, that's right. So, I don't know. We, we, we've both learned a lot, for sure, from our experiences. And if you're bad with women, date more women. Mm-hmm. Find women who will date you and date them, like with anything. Kickboxing, martial arts, business, uh, physical training, you will get better the more you do it. 
So if you're 18, 19 and you're shit with women, ask an ugly woman out. Mm-hmm. Cool, stop trying to aim for the hot ones because the hot 18-year-old girls will, will date people like me. They're not interested in you. Find an ugly chick, date her, and maybe you'll fall in love, maybe you won't, but it doesn't matter. As you go through relationships and experiences with women, you'll learn more about women. So, yeah, don't just... And... and <laughs> That's it. I was gonna I was gonna go down a whole other rant, but I won't. Uh, I was gonna ask as well. So for for people who are quite shy, are more introverted, do you have any advice for them when it comes to networking and getting themselves out there? The same advice I have for procrastinators, because I was shy once. When I was 17, 18, I was shy. Um, it wasn't so much with business networking because I didn't know anybody important, but I was shy to go up and talk to girls and stuff. And without the internet and without dating apps and all the little cheat codes that shy people use and men use now, their crutches that people lean on, I just understood I'm not going to ever get laid if I don't go up and talk to that girl. Mm. So the advice I have for people who are too shy to put yourselves out there, too shy to approach women, too shy to, you know, try to, you know, pitch a business deal to somebody important, then good, have fun staying poor and lonely. You know, because it's when you're, especially when you're young, it's not easy. And it does take some balls, but just go go and do it anyway. You know, the worst that people can do is say no. That was something in my mind, actually. People used to tell me that. Go talk to the girl. The worst she could do is say no. And that was it. Sometimes they'd say no. And that's the way it is. And it, the, the what if will kill you afterwards. The what if will be kill thinking, you. The what if will absolutely push it out. So yeah, and if, and if you never are going to learn those skills and you're never going to take a shot in the dark, then... Good. Have fun staying poor and have fun staying lonely and have fun with your Pornhub subscription. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, and also, and also, don't be retarded. Like some people think I'll say this, and some people are so retarded, they'll come up to me with like papers and be like, yep, yeah, you said people didn't take the initiative. Here's my business proposal. But I'm like, just leave me alone. That's not what I mean. I mean, like, just, yeah, just just if you don't have confidence, fake confidence. Confidence is the one thing you can fake, and it and people believe you have it. If you if you oh I'm shy, I'm shy. Go talk to the girl. Okay, if you actually walk up and talk to her, then you're not shy. You've spoken your confidence into existence. So yeah, and most a lot of people won't ever do that, and and I have no no help for them. I've you know what could I possibly tell them that's going to fix them? Nothing. But you're going to be lonely, and you're going to be broke if you if you stay that way. You have to almost look in the mirror and just tell yourself that you are the man. Yeah. And you, you, you have to believe you are the person that you want to be. Absolutely. And just by thinking that, then you feel as though whatever situation you're in, you're yeah. supposed to be in this situation. The person I want to be wakes up at seven and he trains for two hours. The person I want to be wouldn't let that pretty girl walk past him without introducing himself and saying hello. The person I want to... So, okay, good. So you're going to wake up and lay in bed and then not talk to the pretty girl. Then you'll, you'll never be the person you want to be. Mm-hmm. Simple. Awesome. I think that's pretty much it, unless there's anything else you want to ask me. I ask you. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, how do you, how are you, how did you get your arms so big, bro? <laughs> well, I, was, I know you like to obviously partake in a, a few drinks now and then. That's one thing which I've tried to stay away from. Drinking, yeah. So I used to be big into the drinking. But um, I know now in many ways, not only with my training, and but in business as well, it just completely messes everything up. I can still maintain good condition, <laughs> yeah. but... If if I want to get any bigger or it's maintain, not for, so. yeah, drinking isn't for for physique mm. models, and- which is a shame because I I like getting drunk. I like getting yeah, fucked up doesn't? every now and then. Who doesn't? And I I'm getting an appreciation more and more for cigars. Cigars are wonderful. Mm. Cigars are beautiful. In fact, I even bought you one. 
I even bought you one. I didn't know if we were going to be outside or inside. So I thought we could uh, smoke them on the podcast, but I actually bought you one. I'll give it to you after this. It's kind of like uh, when I got into coffee, I, I, I used to hate the taste of coffee. And then I started to appreciate it. Same thing with cigars. I used to look around and be like, God, what, why are these people smoking cigars? Now you get it. Yeah, it and takes now a while. it's like... Uh, yeah, it takes a while. Uh, but uh, things with... And with smoking and with drinking as well, you know, it isn't cool if you don't pay for it. If you don't pay for your sins. And I tell young people this all the time. Because the one, number one thing I hate about cigars is when young people, fat, chubby young people, out of shape young people, put a cigar in their mouth and tag me on some Instagram stories. Mm. Hey, look, I'm Tristan Tate. The cigar doesn't make me me, you know? Mm. Because I smoke and because I drink, you have to super pay for it. Because most people who like to party and drink as often as I do look fucking horrible, you know? Mm -hmm. So for all the young guys out there, that is very, very good advice, you know? If you, if you, if, you know, let... Lay off the booze. Don't smoke. If you do, make sure you wake up at seven and, and train in the gym for an hour or two hours. Because if you don't, it's going to have very negative mm. effects on your health. It's just crazy how impressionable some of the younger guys are that are looking up to you and Andrew. Well, I didn't smoke my first cigar until I was 28 years old. Yeah. And I'd already retired from professional fighting. So I think that I've had a whole career. I'm two times European champion. Okay, maybe it's time I smoke a cigar. I've earned it. You know, if you're 17 sticking cigars in your face thinking that you're cool like me or Andrew... You're not. Yeah. So don't do that. Don't tag me in those for, stories. For me, it's, it's a, I, I'll enjoy it when it's a special or the appropriate time and occasion. Yeah. So if I'm on a yacht, if I'm talking with yeah. other made men, yeah. you know, that, that's when I feel like, yeah, it's time to have a cigar. Yeah. So yeah, the young men, I'd, I'd rather young guys tag me in stories. So yesterday, some guy made a chain of Instagram stories because I told him, he said, hey, you got any advice for me? You know, because he asked me a question and I said, I'm not going to answer this on my podcast, but I gave him a reply. He goes, all right, and uh, it's probably one of the last ch chances I'm ever going to get to talk to you. What advice do you have for me? I said, do 500 push-ups and do those every day. Mm -hmm. Now, well, yesterday he did his 500 push-ups over like, Jesus, I don't know, 50 Instagram stories and tagged me in all of them. That doesn't annoy me. That does not annoy me. And if you send me Instagram stories of yourself at the gym, I don't know, doing something productive, that will not annoy me. Mm -hmm. But the cigar in your mouth thing or the whiskey and cigar thing, I'm like, you're 17. You shouldn't yeah. be drinking. What do you do? When I was 18, 19, 20, I didn't drink. I was kickboxing every day. Like, that is what annoys me when people correlate the, the Tate brand with smoking cigars or something as juvenile as that. Mm -hmm. Now, we get to smoke the cigars because of everything that the Tate brand is and all that we've done. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so where can people find you? Instagrams? Uh, Instagram still works. Talisman yeah. Tate. Twitter, I do not have. YouTube, I do not have. You could find my channel at Rumble forward slash Talisman Tate or Rumble forward slash Tate Speech. Um, all the links for the things I've spoken about, uh, the real world, which is the evolution of Hustle University, can be found uh, on my Instagram in the bio. And yeah, great talking to you, Mike. Thanks for having me on the show. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. We need to get a workout in at some point once that's all we'll better. Do it. We'll do it 100%. Awesome. Thanks, guys.